Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast More or Less. This is going to be the second episode in the series By the Fire, where I, the host of this lovely podcast, More McEwen, gets the opportunity to sit down and have a good solo chat with you guys. I put the By the Fire series out bi-weekly, and the other weeks I put out guest interviews, so be on the lookout. But the inspiration behind By the Fire series came from this feeling of comfort and great conversations when I hear the crackling of a good fire pit, which is so corny, but I mean, we all experience it. And I personally don't own a fire pit, but I do enjoy <laughs> I do enjoy putting the fire pit noise on my speaker and kind of just like hanging out, doing homework, maybe journaling and stuff. Furthermore, I love to share recent events and dive into maybe analysis of books that I've been reading and so on and so on. It's kind of just like a creative outlet for me to put out resources or things that are happening. And yes, solo episodes. Gotta love them. I love to chat. Sad part is, is like, I have been super busy this week and I think that it's kind of taking a bit of a toll on my body no matter how much I stay on top of my hydration and good nutrition, my body's kind of, I don't know, I think it's also tis the season for Arizona people. And I have just been low-key wheezing a lot and my throat hurts, so I decided to go for a long run today, really get the lungs pumping because I think a lot of it has to do with mucus buildup and sinus congestion. Can you hear it? Can you hear my wheeze when I breathe? (laughs) But first and foremost, everyone, you know me, peaks of the week. So a couple days ago, my mom was in town for a big event for her work, her company, and I got to hang out with her. And my mom is like my BFF, so it was fun hanging out with her. And a lot of her co-workers were here, and so we just had, like, a really grand old time in Scottsdale, grabbing some good drinks and food and catching up and watching her network. It's so inspiring to see my mom do her work because she's so passionate about it, and she's so good at what she does, and she thoroughly enjoys working hard and doing what she loves, and so it inspires me to find the same type of passion in what I do. Yeah, but going back to it, schoolwork has just honestly really picked up the pace the last two weeks, only because fall break is this upcoming weekend, which would be October 8th to October 12th for me, and I am so stoked, guys. Gold Rush, which is the biggest EDM festival, I'd say, besides Decadence in Arizona for the year, um, is this weekend. It's a three-day festival. I'm only going to one because... I'm sure I could put my body through it, but I just don't want to put my body through a three-day festival. I'm good on that. (laughs) But leading up to it, I just have a lot of um, exams to finish up, final essays, and putting out a bunch of podcast work and some other things that I'm working on currently. But yeah, so I'll be going to Gold Rush this weekend, and then following Gold Rush, my good friends and I are going up to Joshua Tree, which... It's, that is like a national park near the border of Arizona and California. It's absolutely gorgeous. We found this super cool deal on Airbnb, and it's this gorgeous airstream in the middle 
of like Joshua Tree rocks and canyons. There's not really canyons there, it's just a lot of rock piles basically in the middle of a desert. But there's also a pool and a hot tub, but Airstreams are so cool. You guys, if you don't know what that is, you should check it out. It's just these gorgeous, basically, I don't want to say RVs. They're just super, um, I don't know how to explain it. They're gorgeous, though, and I'm super stoked to stay in one. But um, besides that, yeah, I'm just super excited for this following week. I'm super excited to get all of this schoolwork done. And like Kobe Bryant said, don't rest in the middle rest at the end and that's kind of just been pushing me through this week because although I do just want to like stop for a minute and take several hours to myself I just know that if I just put the work in now and I don't rest in the middle of this week then at the end of it I will have really no stress and I know that I put all the work that I could into it. Given I say that obviously there's a good time to rest and when not to rest I mean Take that with a grain of salt, everyone, but yeah. I have been obsessed with Kobe Bryant videos recently. Kobe Bryant and Michael Phelps, but that's beside the point. So, this By the Fire series is again going to be talking about Wall Street Journal articles that I find super interesting. I am not very good at keeping up with recent events or politics, really. And I think that I was being really naive about that. And I think that I want, I've want i always wanted to get myself more involved with it. I just really haven't had the space to do it. I haven't created the space for myself to do it. And so this is me creating the space for me to really dive into that. I also downloaded the app because my school funds us that and the New York Post to have those. And so before work, a lot of the time, I like to read a couple of the articles just because it's a great way to interact with customers. Like, oh my god, did you know this was happening? And so on and so on. Or just like a quick read in the mornings. So, full disclosure though, unless I clearly state it, none of this is my actual opinion. It's simply an article I read, what's going down in our world, and how an author conveyed it. So I just want to put that out there. Let's get into it. So I'm going to touch on three subjects today, and that is going to be um, kind of a huge deadly disaster that just happened in Indonesian soccer, pro, uh, pro soccer, which football, Indonesian pro football, and what scientists are now calling a personal pig, basically scientists doing much of work to create transplants for humans through pigs. And third, a little life lesson from my favorite book, The Art of Happiness, which is basically based around uh, a Western philosopher interviewing the Dalai Lama. Article one. This is, this was super sad to read. I read this Sunday morning because it went down on October 1st, 2022. So I read this October 2nd. Um, it was on a Saturday night and it was just super surprising. So this is claiming to be one of the deadliest disasters in sports history. One of them, one at the top. But though the death toll makes it the deadliest incident in soccer history, football, if I may. Um, but yeah, so the game was hosted by the Rama Indonesian 
I hope I pronounced that right again. Arema Indonesian professional football team. Uh, they are one of the best in their country. They're superb. Uh, the fans were super enraged that they had lost. And about... Uh, there's thousands of fans that just stormed the field. Leaving 125 people dead after the stampede of fans came on and caused absolute chaos. Two of these uh, victims were police officers. A lot of the pictures and videos show cars in the stadium just in absolute shambles. I mean, burnt to a crisp or just absolute ruckus. The game, crazy enough, sold 42,000 tickets with a stadium that's only supposed to hold 38,000 people. That's actually insane. That's 4,000 more people than what they should have had in that stadium. I'm not even sure who allowed that to happen, but a lot of what the article and other people are talking about is the crazy amount of police brutality that happened during this. I mean, I watched the video and it's kind of like a bunch of people stormed the field and it was crazy. And then all of a sudden, all these police officers come out with batons and uh, start throwing tear gas around. And that's where a lot of the deaths happen was they're throwing tear gas at these exits and people are just storming to leave the stadium. And that's where a lot of suffocation and loss of oxygen happened. Also, people getting absolutely trampled. I mean, it was super violent and intense to watch these videos. Um, there's videos of the next day in the morning of caution tape around these cars and everyone stopped in the streets. So, the president of the Rama football company, pro football team, the arena, he is actually claiming full responsibility to this incident. Um, but a lot of the comments that the police have made have not really addressed the misuse of tear gas and baton hitting, so on and so on. On top of all of this, Indonesia is actually set to host the FIFA Under-20 World Cup this upcoming year, which would be 2023. Um, during this cup, it's actually prohibited for any police officers or pitch stewardess to hold tear gas. But I think with this incident happening, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting if they decide to move forward with that or not, or how people are gonna show up to that. Um, if people are gonna kind of group together, this, like in my opinion, I don't know if people are gonna group together and be like, let's make this a good statement and carry this out great, or if there's gonna be a lot of fear around it. Um, s such incidents like that are so scary for people. I mean. Ariana Grande's concert, that bombing was really scary. Um, even for the players to go back onto that field shows a lot and shows a lot of strength. But for now, all of their games have been postponed and they haven't decided what steps they're going to take next as of today, which is October 4th, 2022. So yeah, that's kind of what's going down in Indonesia right now. So, we'll see what happens moving forward with all of that. Now, Article 2, which I was extremely interested in, was what scientists are calling, quote-unquote, personal pigs. 
I don't know about you guys, but it just makes me think of that Black Mirror episode. And if you know, you know. If you don't, you're lucky. This article is written by Amy Marcus, though, in the, the Wall Street Journal. Why did this catch my eye? Um, so, doing the research that I do with Hashimoto's disease, back in, oh, I would say the mid-1900s, there was actually a hormone given to Hashimoto's patients. So, as a Hashimoto's patient, you have to take a thyroid replacement every day, a hor hormone replacement. I take Levi Thyroxine, there's another one, but there used to be a natural one, and it came from a pig's thyroid that a lot of people would take, and it was doing super great. Everyone was doing super great taking it, but then the pharmaceutical companies realized that they couldn't really make any profit off of it, so they began to get the doctors to really push these other, um, these other pharmaceuticals like Levi Thyroxine to gain money off of people, and the pig hormone was super great because it was a natural source rather than um, a chemically conducted source in the research labs or in the labs and so on and so on. So seeing this personal pig deal was actually super intriguing to me. Um, it's super, it's not easy getting the pig thyroid hormone nowadays at all. So I don't, I haven't really reached into that and I'm just comfortable where I'm at so I'm staying there. But anyway. There's a whole lot of people in need of transplant organs, but there's not a whole lot of transplant organs. So, what they call, again, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, xenotransplantation, which is X-E-N-O transplantation. It's basically, um advancing the transplantation of organs between different species. Uh, so taking one species and doing the research to find out how you can use their organs in a different species. Um, yeah, that's basically the gist of it. But when the scientists first started doing this research, they first started with chimpanzees and baboons, which I totally get because, you know, they're kind of our descendants or we're their descendants, whatever. But now they're doing a lot of research on pigs. Why, why pigs? Well, pigs, like their organs, are very similar size to human organs and have a lot of similarities. Um, on top of that, they produce pretty large litters in, in a somewhat quick amount of time, which you know gives us more options to more organs. I assume that's what they meant by putting that information out there. <laughs> but um, on top of that, they're much less likely to transmit disease compared to animals such as chimpanzees and baboons. What a cute name, though, baboons. But they're super mean animals. Um, how do we make these organs more complementary to humans? Such as the very surface of a pig cell is the sugar molecule, and the sugar molecule, when a human immune system a human immune system gets really triggered by the sugar molecule and it makes it the human body reject the organ reject the pig cell so by gene editing in dna we can progress this such as by removing the nucleus from the pig egg inserting the edited dna into this pig egg and then transferring it to the uterus of a mama pig also known as a so, 
the newborn pig is now contains this edited cell that a human immune system would not reject. But we also see it as, like, our human body can now also see it as truly another human organ. And it can work through our system instead of our body fighting it. So there was one surgeon that did testing on these brain-dead humans. Obviously, there was, you know, paperwork that was done. It was ethically okay, so on and so on. But these patients were brain-dead, and so he transplanted pig hearts into them. And what he found was that these pig hearts were too small for the body size of these humans, so it wasn't conducted right, but it was working pretty nicely. So they're still under a lot of trial with it all, but with the many goals behind behind this research, there are two main ones that they pointed out. One was that the goal of this is the doctor can be like, hey, I have this patient, they're this size, they're this blood type, blah, 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 blah. And there's a heart ready for them. You know, they're not on the waiting list for multiple months, multiple years, so on and so on. The other goal to this is to create a more preventative measure for children, specifically those with neurofibromatosis, also known as NF1. Uh, This disease causes tumors in the eyes and the skin, and as well causes learning disabilities and gastrointestinal problems. So, the doctors would do testing on pigs before, uh, testing of drugs on the pigs before giving them to children. Now, does this raise ethical issues? Absolutely. Um, the scientists that have weighed in on the subject, uh, have just really gone along the lines of, oh, we can slaughter pigs, blah, 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 but when bioengineering is involved, that's where we really question things. Um... Inserting human genes creates a very blurry line between humans and non-human animals. So, I don't have a strong opinion on this subject, honestly. Um, But I do think it does raise a lot of ethical issues. Uh, Because they are breeding these pigs to have this NF1 disease and then finding ways to cure it through drugs. And obviously that comes with trial and error. Um, but since the first NF1 pig was born in 2016, there are now 350 that they're currently working on. All of these pigs are part of published papers and scientific literature. But there's been a lot of, um, a lot of progression in this. But one of the main ethical questions that have been raised is that if this pig, if this big pig with this, um, disease mutation dies, does the doctor prescribe the child with the same mutation medicine before symptoms even arise? There's, um, there's just a lot of chit-chat about that and ethical dilemma within what do the parents do. Okay, so the last thing that I want to talk about is, um, kind of an excerpt from the book The Art of Happiness. And this kind of uh, goes around the topic of self-created suffering through the resistance of change. And so I'm going to kind of talk about um, the Dalai Lama's and the Buddhism theory and outlook on resisting change and the suffering that comes from it. And then I'm going to kind of shift into how it relates to our relationships with other people, of people that we love. So, first of all, 
guilt showcases when we think or that when we convince ourselves that we made a mistake that is irreparable or that can't be reversed. Uh, the torture or the suffering that comes from this is that you think that any problem is permanent. I mean, can you think back to a time that you've made a mistake and you're like, oh my god, this is going to be awful, like how can I reverse this or I'm never going to recover from this. Um, and this just huge like pit in your stomach happens, this gut feeling of, wow, I really screwed up. I don't think I'm going to, it's ever going to be okay again. So positive side of change is that a problem doesn't persist. I mean, life is ever changing. And so this problem will go away at some point. But the negative side of it is that we as human beings, it is natural for us to have this heavy resistance to change. Also, and so getting into it is what is the suffering of change? So nothing remains static or the same, you know, throughout life. Life is change, but one of the things that Dalai Lama says is to to focus in on the subject is to meditate on the feeling of your blood flowing, how your blood is just constantly flowing and constantly changing and in an ever going rate. And it shows that the phenomenon of change is just completely natural and focusing in on your blood flowing and or a river flowing is just, it's a built in mechanism to your body to show you like nothing is permanent. Like this is all, um, yeah, I can't think of the word for not permanent. Um, temporary. There we go. <laughs> um, and so the nature of all phenomenon is change in every moment. Everything lacks the ability to stay the same and we cannot stay the same under an independent nature. So there are just a lot of factors that go into everything. Like nothing is going to be static. Nothing is going to be the same just because independently that can't happen there's so many factors that go into everything that it will continuously change i mean i can be looking at a pair of shoes i have right now and they look different to me because i'm at a different angle or it's tuesday um, a day where i have to be ready for school for workouts rather than a saturday where i'm looking at these shoes and i'm like oh my god these are gonna look so cute on me um, that's just a really tiny example of change so yeah, so the basis is no matter your experience or your reality, everything is subjected to change. Whether you're having a great time, whether you're having a terrible time, it will change. There's going to be a change. Um, so refusing to relinquish the past is where we really, where suffering really begins to happen. Um, the more we try to hold on and the more that we try to control life, um, life becomes more and more distorted because it's just not how it is. We're trying to hold on to a past feeling and really grasp what we used to be, what we used to look like, who someone used to be, um, what we used to be good at, what we used to not be good at, and holding on to those things um, creates a real distortion in our life because it's just not how it is currently. And I know that sounds just super simple, but it is just as simple as that. And it's kind of a hard concept to grasp, no matter how simple it may sound. It's hard to just have it click in your own life. But um, 
constantly becoming something new every moment. Let that sink in. Like, you are constantly becoming a different person every moment, every day. Uh, my yogi instructor actually likes to say this every single day. I mean, even when we're practicing, we'll be doing a pose, and she's like, okay, maybe you could do this in the middle of the class yesterday, but today you're a different person, uh, your body's different, your mind's different, maybe you need to go to the wall for support, and there's no shame in that. It's just the pure acceptance of we are continuously changing and new every day. So now is when I want to make the shift into kind of talking about change in relationships. Um, I feel like this is evident in everybody's life. Um, I'm currently dealing with I mean, I constantly, I'm a huge, I like to strengthen my relationships and figure out a better way to make them better all the time. Um, and maybe when I'm not doing that, <laughs> um, I find faults that I would like to change. Anyway, so, change in relationships. So, as individuals, as we go through our life from birth up until whatever age you are today, um, it is just so natural for us to see progression and accept change within this natural progression. Um, I used to not be able to do certain things that I can do now. That's just a natural part of my existence of developing as a human being. When it comes to relationships, you're now in a dynamic situation of two people. So it's really hard to accept for a lot of people that there's a whole nother organism that you have to focus in on and be aware of and kind of be open to that they have gone through different things or they're changing in a different way than you may be changing right now. So it is equal and right for these relationships to also go through stages as you do in your own life. There's so many different dimensions of closeness. I mean, you have physical, emotional, and intellectual, and it's super normal for these um, dimensions to be constantly, not constantly, I mean, you shouldn't have <laughs> so many wavy, wavy stuff happening, but it's normal for them to be super wax, for them to be waxing and waning, these physical, emotional, and intellectual dimensions. Uh, I want to kind of take a moment here to talk about this one experience I had. I was living in a hostel in Costa Rica, and there's this one, uh, couple that came in. They're traveling around Costa Rica in a van, and you could just tell that they were just really in-depth with themselves and they've done a lot of work in their relationship. And the guy was talking about this theory of the infinity symbol, which, I mean, we all think infinity symbol and we think cliche almost. I mean, in some cases, but, you know, that t time in our lives where it's just so trendy to have um, the infinity sign. Maybe I'm projecting my own opinion right there. But, <laughs> um, so he kind of showed, like, for you to become super close, which is the, in the middle of the Fendi sign, you have to grow super far apart. Um, it's just a super natural cause that we all go through that growing apart can bring us closer together. You just kind of need to put in the work to come, come back to being close together. Um, so growing emotionally distant can be a sign of an issue, kind of unspoken anger, and that can be scary for a lot of people. Um, and kind of make them want to drop off or stop pursuing this relationship or being a part of this relationship because of the emotional distance that was created. When we first notice this growing apart, we definitely just like need to take a breath 
growing apart is just as natural as the tide going in. You sh- you shouldn't panic anymore about the tide going or you shouldn't panic anymore about growing apart as you do about the tide going back into the ocean. It's just a natural force of life and obviously really assess that with your partner or your friend or your family because there could be underlying issues that you really need to get down to, but Growing apart is just a natural state of life as this change. But the main point in all of this is that growing distant doesn't automatically mean disaster. Change is such a natural part of our interactions with ourselves and it plays such a vital role. And a lot of profound transformation can come with change. Um, I really like this part, but for an example, Say your relationship is super, like, has this intense passion and the other, you see the other as, like, an embodiment of perfection and we're merged together with each other. And I'm not saying any of that is bad. That's a beautiful case of love and that's the case that 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 relationship is in in that point in time and that stage in time. But as change develops, um, we grow distant and then we come back together and it can be this insanely beautiful transformation of seeing each other as he or she is, like this separate individual with faults and weaknesses, a human being like ourselves to be. And I mean, those changes, those stages can be vice versa and can be ever changing, but just to realize that, acknowledge that change is a natural force of life and acknowledging that and living with that can create so much strength in your relationships who you are, your emotional intelligence, and yeah. A true act of love is making a commitment to the growth of another human being. Keep that in mind. Thank you guys for joining me on another session of By the Fire. Stoked to have you, and please be on the lookout for our guest next week. I'm so excited about this one. This is the one that we had technical difficulties, and so... Um, we talk a lot about some really cool stuff. I'm excited, but check out the link, uh, check out my Instagram below. More or less just started its own Instagram, so I'm trying to grow that a bit, and I'm excited for the future, guys. Have a good rest of your week.